To understand a Southerner's fondness for monuments and, say, the rebel flag, it is essential to understand its culture through its rich literary history. Leafing through such pages will not excuse racism or intolerance or xenophobia, but at least it may help us understand. Every September, in AP Language and Composition, we tackle Mark Twain's The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, a book so essential on race relations that it's essentially absent in schools. Yeah, I know the irony. One of my questions leads into a rather good discussion. What's the significance of Twain calling the wreck on the Mississippi River the Sir Walter Scott? It's just a random name, right? Or is it emblematic of something deeper? Most know, of course, that there is always something deeper. I had them quickly research, uh, Google search Walter Scott. Yeah, yeah, he wrote medieval romances, a Scottish writer who loved knights and castles and ladies in distress. Very popular stuff at the time, like Game of Thrones. Then I asked them to add to the search influence on Southern society. Then articles like how Walter Scott started the American Civil War from Harper's. They flipped through articles on post-colonial theory, looking at the influence of nostalgic literature on racism. Students started making comparisons and asking questions. Could an entire society be based on medieval romances? Reaching into the past for an idealized way of life? Uh, Tara Hall in Gone with the Wind could very well be Castle Keep, Rhett Butler, a knight on his steed, Scarlet, that damsel, and the serfs, well, slaves, keeping everybody rich. So if the ship is wrecked, what does that mean? The South is sunk, or sinking, right? With the Civil War and everything. Twain wrote this after the war, so he knows. The South has been looking back like a westward-facing Janus ever since, which is part of the charm, South's charm and destruction. One cannot live in reality and in nostalgia. In class, I play segments from the bands The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down and Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home, Alabama. Can anyone imagine a song called Sweet Home, New Jersey? I ask. They laugh. They can't. And that's a big difference. Setting is essential to understanding the South, the loss of its way of life, the destruction of the war, Sherman's march to the sea, the South always second fiddle to the North. Take another renowned Southern authors like William Faulkner. Perhaps you have read A Rose for Emily, a gothic story that's more than just about necrophilia. Emily Rose has died. She herself is a fallen monument, um, idol, among other fallen monuments, like the Confederate graves that line the cemetery. Life in town, of course, has fallen on hard times. Modern life has not improved the South. The town is full of old relics, but the town still treats Emily as one of its own. The story is narrated from the collective consciousness of the town, and everyone knows Emily is crazy, but she is their crazy. A Good Man Hard to Find by Flannery O'Connor is another example. The grandmother is consumed in her faulty memories of the past. What are the consequences for living in the past? Well, you just have to read this riveting story to find out. Let's just say she raises not Cain, but the misfit in her misplaced Christianity and genteel racism and classism. And let's not forget Tennessee Williams' famous street crying desire, where, to quote the uh, strongman populist Huey Long, every man is a king. Like a good southern protagonist, she mixes reality with fantasy. Her plantation, Belle Reve, is a little dream, lost to the debauchery of her ancestors. Like many down-on-their-luck southern characters, she is nostalgic for the past, clinging to the last hope of a gentleman to take her away. Madness is a recurring theme in Southern literature.
There are so many wonderful Southern writers, Eudora Welty, Alice Walker, Peter Taylor. The literature from the South feels as if one foot charts the solid ground as the other foot slips into a quagmire. After all, the Civil War was fought on Southern land. Students in the North rarely think of the war. For those in the South, the markers and the graves and the memories have not disappeared. It's in their backyard. The War of Yankee Aggression is no mere history lesson in a textbook. After all, the South will rise again, right? And that's why we had the uh, rise of the Ku Klux Klan, the ghost of Confederate soldiers who continued to fight and kill for its warped way of life. Just Google search uh, Bedford Forest. We forget, if we do not know our history, the terror of the Ku Klux uh, inflicted. If interested, I would suggest reading Ron Chernow's monumental grant. This is not excuse racism or condone the KKK, but it's a way to perhaps understand the rationale for wanting to keep hold of what was lost, like old photos about grandpa and grandma. The South is more connected in its history than the North. It is both its appeal and its tragedy.